the Ancazine Brief with Peter Hofland and Sonia Portillo. In this episode of the Ancazine Brief, we are talking to Alice Cressy. Alice is a cancer survivor. As part of her journey, she founded Vertal Action, a cancer charity established to ensure Vertal people touched by cancer can become mothers. As a cancer survivor and a single mom who faced issues of infertility, Alice dealt with the challenges of figuring out how to freeze her eggs so that one day she could have a child. Her need resulted in the founding of a nonprofit organization, Fertile Action, which provides education and advocacy. The organization provides empowering education to patients and physicians. Advocate cancer doctors have specific fertility conversations with patients, and that is really unique during the treatment planning phase. The organization also advocates federally and state-by-state for mandated insurance coverage of all oncofertility services. And the organization provides support for difficult, life-changing decisions and connects patients to the resources they so desperately need. This is all designed to inspire courage and emotional healing by connecting the newly diagnosed with those who conquered their cancer diagnosis and the after-effects. Alice founded Vertal Action a few weeks after she was diagnosed with breast cancer. At that time, she was just 31 years old. It's interesting that struck by the limited resources available for young women with cancer and fueled by her personal experience, funding her fertility preservation on her American Express card, Alice vowed to protect the vision women touched by cancer have of their future. But founding Vertal Action was not the only thing Alice did. Alice may have found the answer to solve the Dr. Google problem, so prevalent among people looking for answers to pressing medical questions. Surfing the web for relevant answers to their often very personal questions. In late July 2017, Alice launched MedAnswers, a digital health app that connects anonymous patients to board-certified experts in various medical disciplines for personalized question and answer sessions. The initial launch of the company and the app was first in the area of infertility. However, Alice and her team are planning to add genetics and oncology very soon. In addition to the official launch, the company is also raising seed funding using a new and unique way. Alice is the proud mother of Dante, her three-year-old son. But having Dante with her all the time raises some challenges from a fundraising standpoint for Alice. So Alice turned to Regulation Crowdfunding, or RegCF, a perfect fundraising solution to help turn her passion and startup into reality. RegCF was fully implemented in May 2016 and is a key aspect of Title III in the Jumpstart Our Businesses Startup Jobs Act that was signed into law by President Barack Obama in April of 2012. Under a RegCF offering, a startup can raise up to just over a million dollars from accredited and non-accredited investors. It's definitely a unique way in which Alice and her team are raising money. It is really unique because it's giving the very people the app helps a chance for future upside. It's also interesting to see how this project has led to help solve this Dr. Google problem. After the break, we're back with Alex Chrissy. Alice, welcome to the Oncocene Brief. Uh, let me start with this. What is your experience with cancer? Thank you, Peter, for having me this morning. 
I was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was only 31. It caught me completely off guard. And the two things that I was most devastated about was learning that I was going to have to go through chemotherapy and learning that that chemotherapy treatment would probably cause me to be infertile. That experience is the thing that propelled me into healthcare nine years ago. Yeah, I guess that's one of those really um, experiences that um, is kind of a wake-up call, I guess. But uh, So this has helped you to somehow ex um, inspire to develop MedAnswers, uh, the product that uh, we are talking about. Yes, there, there's a particular experience that I had going through treatment that I think planted the seed for the idea of MedAnswers all those years ago. I was on my fourth round of chemotherapy and was not doing very well. In fact, I was retaining so much water from the treatment from head to toe that I could barely walk from my bed to the bathroom, which was a mere 25 feet. And I saw my primary oncologist who thought I should take a break from treatment. And then I saw a second opinion oncologist. And he had a very different opinion about what chemo I should have even been taking. You can imagine the shock that someone disagreed with the actual medication. And because I was getting two very different perspectives, individually, I, for some reason, had the forethought to put them on a conference call with me so they could discuss my treatment plan with me listening, and I could then come to my own conclusion about what I should do next. In the end, I felt more comfortable with the rationale of the second opinion oncologist, and I went with a much more aggressive treatment plan for a full three years, a treatment plan I do not regret. I think with MedAnswers, what inspired me is I think that all people, when they're going through a health crisis, they need to have fast answers. They need to potentially have those answers from more than one source, from more than just their primary care provider. Yeah, and I think, I mean, it's a, it's a really good thing that you had an opportunity to do that. Um, but it is obviously uh, not something that everyone can do. And so in the introduction, we were talking a little bit about uh, the Dr. Google problem. It's when uh, people uh, and patients and uh, people that maybe sometimes their family members are going to search online uh, to, to find answers to their health problems. Now, um, if, if you look at that, what is some of the problems with that? I mean, is this a good approach or, I mean, yeah. Yeah, you know, I think that the, the message from the physician community is, you know, please don't Google, you know. And the reason is, is patients are showing up to them overwhelmed and uninformed or informed with the wrong information. There's such a delay from a primary care consult to a specialty consult. And then if you want to see more than one specialty provider, you know, it's an average of six weeks just to get into one specialist. So if you're diagnosed already with something like cancer and you want to see a second opinion, maybe you want to see a third opinion oncologist, a fourth opinion oncologist, I mean, how long are you going to wait to start treatment? Because that could take you three or four months to see all those different providers. So, of course, people are turning online. Of course, when they're awake at 2 a.m. with anxiety, they, they start Googling everything. They start participating in online patient forums. They find groups on Facebook that are supposed to be for emotional support, but they start asking each other for medical advice. And what I've seen is that we're just spreading misinformation by giving people kind of too much access to too much information in a way that's not personalized to them. 
and in particular with the movement in oncology towards personalized precision medicine, that is in direct conflict with that movement. So we need a tool where patients can also be anonymous because they don't want their public information displayed all over the internet. So patients can ask anonymous questions, but they can ask all different types of specialists. They can ask an oncologist at the same time as a geneticist, as a for instance. And, you know, we launched in the infertility vertical, and there are seven different types of specialists in one place. That's never been done before. You can ask one question, and a psychologist might have a different perspective on the answer than a reproductive endocrinologist. The geneticist might have something to add. The embryologist might have something to add. And as we replicate that model in oncology, we're going to see the same thing, that there's different specialists for different areas of your healthcare, and and you have every right to be able to access them. They're already all over social media. You know, all these physicians are out there, and they do talks, and they give talks, and they publish research. So we just wanted to make it faster to connect the dots between expert and patient. Now, you actually really kind of correctly addressed the, the Google problem, right? And, and you explained what, what Matt answers, how, how you can fix that. Um, but obviously, there is so much information out there. I mean, how are you going to make sure that the information is, is correct or not only correct? How are you going to how are you really guaranteeing that patients are talking or getting the information about their specific disease or problem that is really for them? Yeah, that's such a great question. In the, you know, and I, I think with um, all the jokes and memes that float around the, the web about WebMD, you know, and, and there's so many memes that, that, you know, people go to WebMD and they learn they're dying. Because if you put in three symptoms into the symptom checker, you know, it's something catastrophic that comes back. And that certainly is a concern. There are a couple of measures that our company has taken to ensure that, number one, we have only board-certified experts. So because we are reaching out to multiple types of specialties across the spectrum, there's multiple boards that we have to verify that that person is a current member in good standing, board certified. We also expect them to be a member of their professional society. And then we take it one step forward. It's actually a peer validated network. So the experts that are already in the network, they invite other experts. Part of the reason that we do that is we feel that they are the best ones to know who's at the top of their game, who is, all, who is current in all the research, who provides the best clinical care, and, you know, we added that layer because we think that that's an important differentiator and something that, that gives a lot of confidence to patients. Now, there is also a mechanism where the experts upvote each other's answers. Now, because we don't, uh, we anonymize the patient, we also train the experts to make sure that they're educational in nature and not providing medical advice. And that is a boundary that's important because they, they're not going to have a two-hour consult with this per, with the person. Our Even our character count limits the patient from almost asking too much information. So the idea here is that we, wanna, we want the patient to come up with their very targeted question that multiple people can answer, but also that our community can upvote each other so the patient really has confidence in that clinical consensus. 
Yeah, and, and so if I understand it right, it is not really an, an direct-to-physician-patient uh, kind of communication in the sense of uh, you can talk to the, the, the individual. It is really something that is uh, in a written format. That's correct. Right now, we're not a telehealth provider. I would love to be a telehealth provider later because I think you can have follow-up consults with you know, second, third, fourth, fifth opinion providers uh, you know, very quickly. I don't think each, each consult has to be a two-hour consult. Um, but today, we are a medical education platform. The beauty of that medical education is that you can expect it to be very geared towards the exact thing that you're looking for because you're the one as the patient who's driving the communication. You're the one asking the specific question that relates to you rather than just sorting through endless information that you're trying to relate to yourself. So if you, if, if you look at that, I mean, um, the, the people that are actually um, the physicians that are out there, um, it's always a challenge to get good people. Um, it's interesting, um, earlier this year, I was uh, attending the ASCO meeting, the American Society of Clinical Oncology, and there are tons of other medical society meetings. And one of the things that struck me, and, and I, have, I want to have your opinion about that, is that uh, a lot of the physicians that were attending there, they really at the top of their profession. Unfortunately, when you look at uh, community clinics, um, and as probably something that you had to deal with uh, when you had your experience with cancer yourself, is the, the level of education sometimes is different because of the work pressure that is really um, there to some yeah. extent. And, and yeah. so how are you going to make sure that the physicians that are really joining your platform, um, of course, you, you have your mechanisms, but how are you going to ensure that you attract the people that are on the top of the professions, like the ones that are going to attend the society meetings that are really uh, the, 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 yeah, the high minds of, 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 of the medicine? So I, there are two, twofold answer to your question there, Peter. A very exciting byproduct of our product is the physicians will continue their education as well. They're seeing the questions and the answers posted, right? So that was something I, I, I knew going into this was going to elevate the standard of medicine for everyone that's participating. Research could be deployed faster from the bench to the patient through this channel. If we have a network of, you know, 1,500 to 5,000 to then 100,000 providers and all these different medical disciplines, the transfer of information can be so quick. We can deploy research so fast. And that's really what these healthcare tools should be doing, right? Because of that constraint on time. I read an article that said the average oncologist, you know, during a diagnosis, when they're diagnosing the patient, then it was something very small, like 29 minutes, and I can get a correct stat for you on that. And, you know, you think about that, you're, you're altering someone's life and you only get half an hour. And that is the reality because of how many patients they have to see in one day. That is just the reality. Now, in terms of attracting the right kind of expert, we have director of expert engagement personnel on our team. Those people are prominent in their field. So in infertility first, we have someone who's a very prominent embryologist. Down in Latin America, we have a reproductive endocrinologist. He's a well-published reproductive endocrinologist, he, and he's incredible. 
they're responsible for helping to attract and retain those experts, those first experts. Um, but we vet them. You know, we do have a vetting process for that. And, you know, that, that's how we're approaching it to make sure that, that we have the quality control internally of the, the folks who are answering questions on our site. Right. Uh, this brings actually another question. I mean, you'll launch this in, in late uh, July. Um, and in, in infer- infertility, is this something that is only available in the United States or are you planning to um, make international versions out of this, this application? What are you planning? Great question. We launched in, as an English-speaking app currently. We already have experts that are answering questions in Latin America. We have a multilingual product that will be released in, a, in um, this year. It'll, it'll be released this year, and it'll support all languages across the world. In a, something like infertility, and I think even in cancer care these days, when sometimes people are looking really outside the box of traditional care for cancer treatment, you know, they look to what's going on in France, what's going on in Switzerland. Um, you know, sometimes you hear horror stories about going to another country. But I think that the reality is for all of us in healthcare is that medical tourism is here and it's not going away. I think it's very important to, you know, make this a universal app and a universal tool for both patients and providers worldwide. We do have, um, we are going to be, uh, looking for strengthening our European presence as well with experts. Um, we're actually recruiting for that right now. And in terms of um, the oncology vertical, we are already inviting oncologists to join because we very quickly want to make sure that um, we have a robust, uh, you know, a robust lineup of experts that are ready to answer oncology questions. Yeah, it's it's, it's uh, well really exciting to see this. Uh, now, um, the other exciting thing is it's a little bit more about the business part of of uh, what you're trying to do. Um, you launched this 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 app and and your company uh, with the equity from crowdfunding um, called so called so called the Rec CF uh, program. Uh, why did you choose this uh, over other ways to do that? you know, that's such a great question. As a, as a single mama of a three and a half year old and an entrepreneur and someone who's active in advocacy, you know, I have pretty limited time, but I also have a passion for having my company be a vehicle for everyone to, to benefit financially. So anyone, you know, all of our staff members, everyone that works with us, I want them certainly to participate in the reward, the financial reward of, of a startup. And it, it kind of occurred to me, why not offer that same opportunity to our users? Why not, you know, look at the community and go, wow, these people can actually own a piece of the future of healthcare. You know, in this healthcare debate that's going on, in this country that is a pretty scary debate, if you're a cancer survivor or you're someone who has, is in active treatment right now, you know, with, a, with $250 or with $1,000, you know, these people could actually own a piece rather than kind of being at the, the beck and call of, you know, quite frankly, some very wealthy companies. And that excited me. You know, regulation crowdfunding is 
has only been implemented for a year, and the intent is to democratize fundraising. So in the past, only rich people could invest in private startups. So rich people got richer, and that's just how it was for 80-plus years. So enter, you know, regulation crowdfunding and, uh, you know, the, the JOBS Act, and it took many years for them to implement this. And now anyone can be an investor. I, I, that, is, that just excites me very much because our users, you know, should be shareholders. Why not? Uh, yeah, indeed, why not? But, I mean, obviously, this is one way uh, to raise funds. I mean, it's, it, crowdfunding is really an exciting way. Now, there are also other crowdfunding organizations, for example, uh, Kickstarter. I mean, how is what you do with regulation crowdfunding different than, for example, uh, a Kickstarter campaign? That's a great question because I think that there is still some confusion because they both use the word crowdfunding. The difference is very significant, however. A reg CF is an equity crowdfunding raise. So you're actually, the people who are supporting you do become investors. They are shareholders of your company. And some traditional investors don't like that. Some traditional investors might look at that and say, I don't want, I'm a sophisticated investor and I don't want to be on a cap table with unsophisticated investors. You know, our approach is we hope that they look at this as a wonderful opportunity for our investors to also be, you know, evangelical users of the app and brand ambassadors of the app. That's what we're, we're intending for those traditional investors who also have to, you know, realize that it's not equity crowdfunding isn't going anywhere. Kickstarter has been amazing um, for what they've done and how they've, they've helped catalyze uh, you know, new startups, I do think that a lot of those companies probably would have done an equity raise had this already been implemented far sooner. Um, because on Kickstarter, you have perks, you have rewards. You know, if you spend, you know, $100, you might get the product in six months. Um, you spend $1,500, you might get flown out somewhere to have coffee with a celebrity. That's very different than an equity crowdfunding raise. These, these, we're looking for investors, real investors. Right. Yeah. So I can that that really kind of paints a, the the good picture of what the difference is. And now, looking at the investors, you you said you have large investors, large organizations that invest. Um, but what kind of investors do you hope to attract to this this uh, mechanism? The investors that we're looking for are you know passionate about making a difference. And that could be someone who only has $250 to invest, or that could be someone that has $100,000 or, or more. You know, this round, um, you know, for us, the intention is to catalyze fast growth and attract more patient users and release our multilingual products, uh, you know, release Android. Um, and that fits the culture of the company. So investors don't have to have a lot of a lot of money to invest. They don't have to have, um, you know, the, the traditional amounts. You know, we're, we're not looking for that, you know, $5 million VC investor right now. And I, I think the culture of the company, though, every, everyone who works in MedAnswers right now is so committed to making a difference. They're so committed to disrupting what doesn't work in healthcare. And we all really get that using digital health tools and specialty medicine is where we really should be advancing things. I think it's great that if, you know, it's 
three o'clock in the morning and you need a 15 minute consult with a doctor because you think you have an ear infection or UTI, you can call in and do a video consult with someone. There, there are already great apps for that. But the big missing for us is the critical. It's the people in crisis that don't have anywhere to turn at three o'clock in the morning when they have, when they have 20 questions that are popping up. That's what we want to solve. Well, that sounds really exciting. So now going to shift gears a little bit. Um, this program is also uh, available to the oncology professions, profession. Um, if I'm an oncologist, how can I get involved? Yes, I just want the oncologist to hop on MedAnswers and register as an expert. We are filling our pipeline right now of oncology experts so that uh, they can join us when we do our oncology release and be part of that, um, be, just be part of that exciting movement. MedAnswers.com is the URL and every expert can register right from our website. And, and when are you planning to launch the, or, um, the oncology vertical? So, I mean, right now you have the, um, if, uh, the fertility vert vertical is available, um, but when are the other verticals available? Yes, genetics and oncology are next, and genetics plays such a hand in oncology. It makes sense that we'll do genetics and oncology very quickly after infertility. Uh, as long as everything goes well with our crowdfunding raise, we will launch both of them this year. Okay. Now, um, if I'm an individual that likes to download the, the app or help you uh, with raising money, becoming an investor in that way, um, where should I go? You can go to startengine.com to invest in MetaAnswers. You will see us right on the homepage. You, and you can also download the app on the iOS store. We, are, we released for Apple iPhone users first, and Android will be in a couple of months. Okay, well, it sounds so exciting, and I think, uh, I mean, you will definitely, yes, absolutely, you definitely inspire a lot of people trying to find answers to critical questions, and, and hopefully we can actually solve the uh, so-called negative side of Dr. Google. Now people can actually get real answers. That's the really exciting thing, uh, what I hear you uh, explain to me. Um, well, thanks very much for joining our program, and until uh, next time. Thank you, Peter. The interview you just heard with Alex Chrissy was originally recorded on July 28, 2017, just a day after Alice and her company launched MedAnswers as a new app to help people searching for accurate health-related information and find better answers than Dr. Google can give them. For more information about Vertal Action, please visit vertalaction.org. We know that based on this interview, you may have questions, so please submit your questions to our editorial team via email, Facebook, or Twitter. We'll post as many answers as we can on our website, oncozine.com. That is O-N-C-O-Z-I-N-E dot com. Thank you all, and thank you for listening. And join us again for our next episode. I'm Peter Hofland, here with Sonia Portillo, and this is the Ongrisin Brief. The Oncozine Brief was produced for Sun Valley Communication by Peter Hoffland, Sonia Portillo, Evan Wint, David Kaler, and Sean Mayer, and distributed by PRX, Public Radio Exchange, and InPress Media Group.
Support for the Uncuisine Brief comes from our listeners and commercial underwriters. For more information about underwriting options, contact Sean Mayer at 949-923-1660 or visit our website at oncozine.com forward slash underwriting. The Oncozine Brief contains health and medicine related information and is provided for educational and informational purposes only. The content is not intended as a substitute for professional medical or health advice and does not replace your doctor's advice. Your doctor is the best person to answer questions about your personal health. If you hear something in this program that doesn't agree with what your doctor has told you, ask him or her about it.